All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss the Denver Nuggets as I've had a couple off days here, and they've been right in the nick of time because the Nuggets are about to play a couple of pretty important games, I would say. And they just get back a couple of very important pieces, I think. I think that this is going to be like, they're still questionable. We're, we're still going to have to wait a little bit to hear about it. But I have to imagine that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. will both be back for Friday's game against the Portland Trailblazers. And that is a really, really exciting thing for the Nuggets so they can continue building on what was probably their best win of the season on Tuesday. Very good stuff. On this podcast, we're going to talk about the injury report and just what it means that Michael Porter Jr. is coming back to the lineup after missing several games. Second segment, we will go over kind of the long-term problems and solutions in this Nuggets rotation because I am still trying to navigate it myself. I'm still trying to figure out who the best combinations are, what makes sense, and whether it's something that Michael Malone is even willing to do. And then third segment, we're going to preview both of the Portland and Phoenix games because I'll get recap podcasts up for each of them, but I will not be podcasting on Christmas Eve. So we'll not be previewing the Phoenix game on that day, and that is fine. You don't need me to. I'll do it tonight. So we're going to do that, but first let's go over the big news of the day. I was not at practice today. I saw the negative 16 degree uh, screenshots that were going around, and I'm like, okay, Do I need to go to practice today? Probably not. There are other things I need to take care of anyway. I stayed inside. I bundled up. I I wussed out a little bit. That was definitely probably not something I should have done. But in my stead, you had a couple of fantastic reporters, Mike Singer, Harrison Wind, doing the the questioning and answering of what the Nuggets injury report kind of looks like. And Michael Porter Jr. spoke today. That was pretty interesting. Michael Malone spoke today. That was pretty interesting too. And the Nuggets injury report subsequently says that Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray are both questionable on the injury report for Friday's game against Portland. Usually you do not, like the the teams will give a player an out just in case they are not ready to come back, but everything is lining up for Michael Porter to return. He told Nuggets media today was made available and spoke to Nuggets Media and said, quote, I'm playing tomorrow. Now, Michael Malone gave a little bit more of a tepid response, said nothing was decided. What he's doing right there is he's just protecting the team and the player. If Michael Porter is playing, if he says he's playing, he's probably playing. Uh, That's just kind of how it goes in the NBA today. So it's good that he's back after so many games missed. He hasn't played a game since that Detroit loss that Denver had that was really ugly. And it's good to see Denver maybe can bounce back from that one because they were 10-7 and after that Detroit loss. They're now 19-11. and So they've won nine games, lost four since MPJ departed. They've been without him for 13 games. It would be nice to see him again. And... The Nuggets decided to take their time with him. Michael Malone or Michael Porter, he said he wanted to come back full strength, that he didn't want any restrictions, that he wanted to make sure that his body was completely right, 
It's not related to the back or anything like that. It was just a natural injury that a lot of players will get uh, in his left heel. So I know it's a little bit weird and it's not necessarily something that people were expecting at that point, but it wasn't ever something that I was really concerned about. Just more so, hey, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind for a while, and he's kind of forgotten that he started off the season really, really well. I'm excited to see him again. On the season, he's averaged 16.4 points, 6 rebounds, 1.3 assists, only shot 51% on two-pointers, but even with the shooting slump that he was in right at the end, he's still shooting 42.7% from three. That's incredible. And honestly, he probably was being bothered by that heel. Not able to move as much, not able to, not able to get as much lift on that jumper. And when Joker went out anyway, probably made things 10 times harder for him in order to really uh, get the shots off and get the confident shots off that he really wanted to get. Before Jokic departed, he was averaging 18 points per game, shooting a million percent from three. And I think what we've seen over the course of these past few games, even though Denver's 9-4, and four, they've had a little bit of a soft schedule to be clear, Denver's needed that shooting. They've needed that gravity, and they need it as an option. Maybe not necessarily the first option or the second option, but when you have that spacing around what the Nuggets are trying to do, it makes life so much easier for the players that are operating in the middle of the floor. Whether it's Murray trying to run two-man game, whether it's Jokic uh, posting up or isolating, those guys, when you have a big six foot ten target who can catch the ball with a larger radius than just about anybody on the team, and then immediately step into a three-pointer that's contested and drain it, there's something to be said about that, and the opposing team has to respect it all the time. So it's nice to see Michael Porter on the verge of return here. The injury that he had in his left heel, it, was, it wasn't just going to be like a jumping level of injury. It was always going to be a movement level of injury. So The Nuggets knew that they had to get it rested, that he'd have to be, when he comes back, uh, he'd have to be moving well. He practiced in full uh, on Thursday, so it does seem to me like he's moving as well as you could probably expect at this stage, and I'm glad to see it. There's going to be a minute restriction in all likelihood. I don't know if Michael Porter is super excited about that prospect, but I'm not sure if he comes off the bench or if he starts, but I'm going to guess that he starts and just plays a reduced number of minutes. Not going to be over 30, probably closer to like 25. And hopefully Denver is in a situation where they don't have to bring the guys back in during the fourth quarter. And if that's the case, then Michael Porter will have a couple of stints, get back into the flow of things and get ready for that Christmas game that everybody's really gearing up for. If he comes off the bench, that's fine. It doesn't really disrupt anything that the Nuggets have been doing with their starting group. But honestly, the starting group hasn't been perfect. So I'm not necessarily opposed to just starting him immediately, trying to figure out the bench thing, trying to figure out when the starters are coming out, how many minutes they're going to play together, how many minutes they're going to play apart and see what the rotation's ultimately going to look like at that point. I don't think anybody really firmly knows. I'm going to get into it 
in this next segment, but the big thing about having Michael Porter back is that he's going to give you a dynamic that you didn't have. Denver hasn't had a big forward that can splash threes. Jeff Green, not shooting threes well. Zeke Naji not shooting threes well. Flacco actually is. Flacco's actually one of the guys that uh, came in during last game and immediately, like the one shot he took was just an absolutely wet jumper from the right wing. And so it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he could play a little bit more in somebody else's stead just to try to space the floor a little bit. But it seems to me like Denver could use just another guy within their rotation to make things a little bit more dynamic. Now it's going to make the rotation a little bit more challenging, but let's talk about that on the other side. When we come back, we're going to go over long-term problems and solutions for this Nuggets rotation. We'll be right back. back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Everybody over at Superbook Sports would like to wish you a happy holidays. Uh, They've been a great sponsor for this podcast and a good partner that we've had. And they want to let you know that Vegas-style wagering is in the palm of your hands now with the Superbook Sports app. Just make sure to download it over at Superbook Sports or go to the website at superbooksports.com. You can bet up to $1,000 and they will match 100% of that bet, no matter if it wins or loses. Just visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get back into this thing. I posted a thread today. Uh, probably should have been at practice, but I posted a thread today on Twitter about the rotation concerns that I have and what I'm thinking about when Denver is coming back to being full strength. They haven't been full strength in, strength in a while, but the one thing that hasn't really been an issue is anytime Jokic is on the court, they've been able to figure some things out. I've posted the Jokic on-off graphic from last week or earlier this week, and basically what it tells me is that no matter who Jokic is playing with, he's going to be fine the Nuggets are going to be fine. It's when he's off the court that the Nuggets need to maximize who plays with who, the combinations, get everybody playing as well as they possibly can, and then maybe you can break even, in which case you're not hemorrhaging points and making things even more difficult for the starters when they come back into the game. So I am very interested, now that Porter is on the precipice of a return, Murray is going to be in and out of the lineup as the uh, back-to-backs kind of come into play. He'll play on the second night or the first night of the back-to-backs, but not on both in all likelihood. And so you're going to still have some disruptions here or there, but it still feels like Denver can get into a nice little rhythm with their rotation for now and try to see what they can do against some of these tough teams that they're playing. I think the starters are clear. Anybody that says the starters aren't clear, I think is a little bit cuckoo. The starters are going to be Jokic, Gordon, MPJ, KCP, 
and Jamal Murray. That's not changing. Like maybe Bruce Brown comes in for one of those guys, but it's not going to be Christian Brown. It's not going to be Bones Highland. It's not going to be Jeff Green. Not going to be anybody else. It is either going to be the five starters that I named or Bruce Brown somewhere in there. As a result, if that's the five starters, Bruce Brown will be with the second unit. Not sure exactly what he's going to do. Not sure what his role is going to look like with that group yet. And I think it honestly depends on who the Nuggets stagger from that starting group to try to prop it up, prop up the second unit. Because you could do it a number of different ways. What I like and what I think has worked really well so far is when MPJ comes in and plays the four. That's had a good effect, maybe not in this season, but in previous seasons. There's been some really good moments where Porter has come in, played back a power forward, spaced the floor for the team, and he's just an extra floor spacer for whatever the primary action is, and that usually helps out the entire group. Now, will that happen this time around? I'm not sure if Denver has the personnel to really run that. Now, maybe you run Michael Porter at power forward and DeAndre Jordan as the backup center, run Bones Highland downhill, have another couple of wings to try to make the defense a little bit better. But honestly, I don't know where Jeff Green goes in that situation. I think it may be an issue with Michael Malone and with the Nuggets roster if Jeff Green isn't out there. So I'm trying to figure out who's in the rotation and who's not. Because right now, I'm not, I just don't really know. I know that the starters are in. I know that Bruce Brown is in. And then it just gets really dicey. It gets really ambiguous. It could be Bones Highland at the point guard, at the backup point. Maybe Bruce Brown at shooting guard. Christian Brown at small forward. Jeff Green at power forward. And one of DeAndre Jordan or Zeke Naji at center. That is a no stagger rotation. And I don't think it will work. I think that Bones is still kind of far away from being able to carry the bench in that regard, where the bench has needed somebody who can really set the table for everybody, not just really stand around while Bones uh, does his isolations and, and rejects the screen and tries to get the spacing on his threes and things like that. He needs to be more of a facilitator. We've talked about this ad nauseum. I've talked about this ad nauseum. And until that happens or until Denver changes around that's that, be- that bench unit to find another better backup center with a passing skill, then I just don't think that an all-bench starting lineup is really capable. It's really viable. So you're staggering a starter, and the question is who? Do you want to stagger Murray? He's already gotten tired. He had to sit out last game with left knee injury management for his ACL tear. Uh, is he the right guy to stagger, especially if you're planning on playing Bones and Bruce Brown? Because that moves Bruce Brown to the three, and you're already playing pretty small in the backcourt. So I'm not sure if that's the right answer. So it's not Murray then. Okay, is it KCP? Do you do Bones, KCP, Bruce Brown? And then maybe Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, or Jeff Green, Zeke Naji, 
Maybe do Vlaco Chanchar and Jeff Green. Maybe you stagger Michael Porter in addition to KCP. And you do that. There is something to be said for that too. But I don't know if Michael Malone wants to stagger Porter either. Especially as he gets back from an extended injury absence here. So you're not staggering Jokic. You're not staggering Murray. Michael Porter is a little bit dicey. Um, you're not staggering, or you haven't staggered Aaron Gordon. Maybe he's the guy that you tried to give. Maybe you play Aaron Gordon and Zeke Naji next to each other, or maybe you play Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green together. But what I will say is that the Jeff Green at center lineups this year, they have a minus 40 net rating. 40. Not 4. Not 10. 40. And that is something that I think kind of puts a wrench in all of these plans because one of the best ways to figure out your backup center spot is just to not play one. That's what most teams would do. And yet whenever Denver has not played a backup center, they've stunk it up even more. So if it's Aaron Gordon at center, it hasn't worked. If it's Jeff Green at center, it hasn't worked. Zeke Naji had a really good game or at least a really good stretch in the last game, but then looked like he hurt himself. Maybe he's a guy that you continue going to and see if you have anything. I'm not sure if DeAndre Jordan is the right answer for this group. He's had several bad games in a row, probably needs a break here. So is it going to be like who your backup center is? I just don't really know. That's probably the one thing that is still hanging over all of this, where I don't know who the long-term solution is at that spot. I don't know if Denver has one on that on the roster. I don't know if they have the ability to go get one on the trade market. I don't think that you bring back Boogie. I think there's a reason why other teams have not brought back Boogie either, not brought him into what they're doing. So Denver's got to figure it out. They've got to either pay for somebody that's a little bit more pricey or they've just got to deal with it. So there are ways that they can. One of them could be staggering Jokic, though I don't think that they're going to do that. Um, I wonder if Jeff Green is okay at the five if he has proper spacing around him. You use him as a small ball center. He did some of these things with the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe the way to do that is to play Michael Porter next to him and then a couple of really quality wings. You get Bones, you get Christian Brown, you get Bruce Brown, and then you play MPJ and Jeff Green. Denver hasn't gone to that, I don't think, and maybe it's something that they should try. Maybe Zeke Nash is capable of doing that. I don't know. But if Jeff Green has to be in the rotation for Denver, then it may have to be as a backup center at some point. It may have to like you may have to be a little bit more flexible. And he has shown the willingness to do that, there's no doubt. But that's just my long-winded rant on the backup center spot right now. Right now Christian Brown is averaging 20 minutes a night in his last 7 games. I think that number is going to go back down. He's averaging 14.7 on the season. I don't think it's going to go down all the way to 10 or 5 or 0. I do think that he's going to be in the rotation. But it's probably going to be in that 15 to 20 minute range. And Denver's going to have to figure out whether Bruce Brown is okay 
with having a rookie play over him in some defensive situations because he may not be. Bruce Brown is a very proud player. He's a guy who Denver brought in, wanted to be one of their most important pieces. But as I see it right now, Bruce Brown probably better playing at point guard or shooting guard. Christian Brown probably better playing at shooting guard or small forward off one of those wing spots. If Bruce Brown is playing a lot of three for you, then that may not be the best call, at least when it's not with the main starting unit. If it's with the bench unit and you've got Bones, Jamal, Bruce, Jeff, and DeAndre, it's probably not good enough. Honestly, that's probably not a good enough group defensively, and it's definitely not a good enough group offensively. But we're going to see. We're going to see what it looks like. I wonder if Denver stumbled upon something in this Memphis game where one of the, like they started this group with uh, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, KCP, and then Aaron Gordon and Jokic. I want to see Denver get to more Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Nikola Jokic lineups. I think that that is something that they can do and it will provide a little bit more energy and ability to run and take advantage of the opposing team's transition defense and things like that. And it doesn't put a lot of pressure on Jamal Murray or Michael Porter in those situations. If you play defense, if you lock in, the offense is going to take care of itself in a lot of ways because you're going to generate a lot of these transition looks. And that's a great thing to do. That's a great, easy way for those guys to either get into rhythm or get out of the way and and let somebody else kind of handle it. I do think that if I were running the rotation right now, at the five-minute mark, or I guess the seven-minute mark of the first quarter, after the first five minutes, I would take out Jamal and I would take out Mike. And I would play that lineup that started last game. Bruce Brown, KCP, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. I would try to get that group a solid three to four minute chunk before going to the rest of my bench. And then either Jamal and MPJ stagger with the second unit, both of them at the same time, or one of them staggers. One of them comes in pretty early in the second quarter and then plays the rest of the half. That to me seems like a pretty reasonable solution where The minutes where Denver has the most issues right now are the end of the first quarter and beginning of the second quarter. All the other times, they're they're, sometimes they'll they'll end halves and start third quarters pretty badly, but most of the time they've been pretty good in those other moments. It's the end of the first, end of the third, start of the second, start of the fourth. So you have to find ways to add your good players to those minutes without compromising your rotation entirely. It's a tough call, especially because Denver probably needs to have guys on minutes limits, but it's something that I'm thinking about. I think that you can get through the middle of the first quarter with Bruce Brown at point guard. I think when the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter rolls around, you don't necessarily want Bruce Brown out there. You probably want Bones and Jamal, or Jamal and MPJ, or some combination of the three, just to provide all that extra offense that you can get in those situations. Christian Brown can 
get the occasional cut and the layup and the spacing three. I don't think that Bruce Brown should be out there at the end of the first beginning of the second, which is tough because he is about to go back to the bench. So Denver's got a lot of things to figure out with this rotation. I'm not sure who is going to be the most used player off the bench. It's probably going to be Bruce Brown. It could be Bones Highland if he gets out of a shooting slump. It could be Christian Brown. It could be Jeff Green. I don't know who it's going to be, but to me, there's a lot of flexibility here. I'm not sure how it fits together. I think Denver probably needs a trade of some sort, or at least kind of a reshuffling of the pecking order. And we're going to figure out what that looks like, because I am just as curious as everybody else. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to preview the Portland game on Friday and the Phoenix game on Christmas Sunday. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about the Portland game on Friday and the Phoenix game on Sunday. Both of these games against good teams, playoff teams, that Denver is going to be competing with down the stretch for playoff positioning, especially Phoenix. I think that they're still pretty good. I think that they are still a team that deserves to be feared. And they've had injuries lately. The injury bug has definitely hit them hard, and they haven't really fared well during that. But they deserve enough of a break to come back and get healthy as anybody else, because when they've been healthy, they've been really freaking good. So let's start with Portland, though. That game is on Friday. It will be, I'm not sure if it's a national TV game, but I know it is a Friday night game. And as we've talked about, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray should be back for that one. You're probably going to get your standard starting lineup. Jamal, KCP, MPJ, AG, and Nikola Jokic. So Portland, they're 17 and 15 right now. They've lost two in a row. They're all the way down to ninth in offensive rating. Had a couple tough games against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Lou Dort trying his hardest to put Damian Lillard in a coffin, basically. And ninth in offensive rating is kind of a far cry from where most people think of Portland, where they are a top five offense and a bottom 10 defense most of the time. Now, they have the bottom 10 defense down right now. They are 24th in defensive rating. That number used to be way higher, but it has fallen off completely. The Nuggets have shown and proven to themselves that they can score against Portland, especially like even on the road. So when Portland comes to Denver, this should be a pretty good environment for Denver to get up and down, do what they need to do on the offensive end, and then as long as they lock in enough on the defensive end, this should be a pretty straightforward matchup. Now, 9-3, and three, the Blazers are when Anthony Simons hits at least five threes. The Nuggets are one of those nine wins. And it was a glorious thing to behold when Anthony Simons absolutely caught fire. And Denver needs to prevent that. He's one of those guys where you know Lillard is going to get his. You know that there's enough talent around that group in order to do a standard amount of scoring. But if Anthony Simons also goes off, 
the Blazers are probably going to win. Dame is too talented. He, he's going to take advantage of all of those opportunities. So Denver's got to shut down Anthony Simons at the beginning and make sure that it's Dame that has to take all of those shots, that has to take all of those opportunities. He can. And Denver has definitely shown that. And they've, they've, they've been on the receiving end and uh, been good in those situations and been bad. Uh, but I do think that that's one thing. Don't let Anthony Simons get free. If he's shooting hot, you're probably dead. The Blazers are 5-8 and eight when Jeremy Grant scores fewer than 20 points. He's averaging about 22, I'm pretty sure. And that's really impressive when you're on a team with Lillard and Simons. I think Simons has probably been the second scorer and Grant has been the third scorer. But all three of those guys are the pillars of their scoring. They stagger. They all play at different times. They all have opportunities where they're the first option, basically. And Grant has been very, very good. Matching up against Denver, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I'm curious to see how the Nuggets guard them. I'll get to that in just a little bit here. But if Grant is going off and Simons is going off and Lillard is Lillard, like Denver's going to run out of defenders in their starting lineup. So that should be a that should be a fun conversation. And then an interesting one that I found: the Blazers are also four and eight when Yusuf Nurkic scores more than fifteen points. Four and eight. That was interesting to me, and I think it, there's there's something to be said about guarding the perimeter against Portland and making Yusuf Nurkic beat you. When he has to beat them, that is going to be a good thing because Nurkic is like he's shown the capability to go pretty efficient. But for the most part, Nurkic can struggle a little bit with his efficiency. He turns the ball over in adverse situations. And like in, in the end, it's just worth two points. When Lillard and Simons are going off, those guys are making just bombing threes. So Nurkic, when he is the focal point of the offense, it also kind of takes away from his defense, I think, too. So that should be something that Denver should try to do. They should be trying to double Lillard, get the ball out of his hands, use Nurkic as the pressure release. And if Nurkic gets baskets, you'll live with it because he'll probably cool down at some point. Their injury report, Lillard, Josh Hart, Yusuf Nurkic, and Drew Eubanks, their backup center, are all probable. Justice Winslow is doubtful. I know that Chris Haynes had something about him in his article on Bleacher Report. Nasir Little, Gary Payton II are both out. I do think that they're probably, it's going to be a little bit for those guys still, but you're not going to have to worry about those guys. You're going to have to worry about Lillard. Simons, Hart, Grant, and Nurkic in that starting lineup. And then Shaden Sharp is an interesting rookie that Denver's faced already a couple of times, and he just he can absolutely leap out of the gym. Denver's got to guard him. They have to make sure that everybody else is accounted for. But for the most part, it's just those five starters. If you keep them in check, you're probably going to be okay. The Blazers right now have the 12th ranked defense against teams that are currently top 10 in offensive rating. So what that says to me is that they're actually pretty good against some of the good teams. It's kind of a surprise. It's probably more noise at the early part of this season than anything else, 
But when I watched them, sometimes Denver struggled. But I, I honestly don't think that they really struggled in the first game as much as Murray was still getting his legs back under him and Jokic took four shots basically intentionally. So that's not going to happen again. And the Nuggets, I think, are going to be better this time around offensively, especially at home. And the last time they played them, they scored 120. So I don't think Denver's going to have a problem generating good offense. Now, back to the starting lineup conversation. Who guards Dame? Who guards Anthony Simons? If you're going to go with Murray, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Jokic, it's a tough conversation. I think you probably have to have Jamal Murray guard one of Simons or Lillard, at least at the beginning. And then maybe you change your lineups at various points and maybe Bruce Brown comes into the game and he guards Lillard for a little bit. Maybe KCP takes his turn. Maybe Christian Brown gets a turn. But for the most part, with those two, you want somebody chasing around Simons and making sure he doesn't get shots off. That to me seems like a KCP kind of thing. So whoever is guarding Simons has to make sure that they don't get shots off. And Jeremy Grant feels like the perfect matchup for Aaron Gordon. Somebody physical, somebody who will not get bullied by Grant being 6'9". Aaron Gordon is somebody who can dish it right back out. So that's one where I would rather Michael Porter being on Josh Hart. I would rather him not guard Grant or Simons or Lillard or anybody, especially in his return. You know those guys are going to seek him out. They are going to try to get that open shot opportunity. But I have to imagine Denver's going to try to live with it. So I could see Christian Brown getting some run in this one as well, whether it's to guard any of those three scorers, basically. Like Jeremy Grant could score against him, but if you force fadeaways, then it's not that big of a deal. And as long as he stays attached to Lillard and Simons and prevents them from getting clean shots, that could be a good matchup for him because he has pretty good size there. Overall, though, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. Easy prediction given that both of these teams excel on the offensive end and don't really have the personnel to stop the other on, on the defensive end. Although, one thing to watch out for, when Murray was going off last game, they slid Jeremy Grant onto him and had Yusuf Nurkic guard Nikola Jokic. You have Dame, Anthony Simons, and Josh Hart off ball. If you do that, one of those guys has to guard MPJ. One of those guys has to guard Aaron Gordon. Think if you're Josh Hart, you could reasonably do it, but it's not great. But then you've got Dame or Simons on MPJ, and that is a tough matchup for any of those guys. So if MPJ goes to the rack, if he shoots over the top of them, there are opportunities for Denver to get MPJ involved in good ways, just as much as he'll be hunted on the bad ways. So interesting stuff. But let's move to Phoenix here real quick. Phoenix is 19 and 13. They're four and six in their last 10 games. Third ranked offense on cleaning the glass, 13th ranked defense. So not as strong of a defensive year. They haven't had Cam Johnson, haven't had Jay Crowder for much of this season. And when that happens, your team is probably going to slide a little bit. But it says a lot that even with the injuries that they've had with Chris Paul, Devin Booker's missed a few games here. 
I do think that Phoenix being third in offensive rating, it's just very impressive. Now, they're one and three when Booker doesn't play. But what's interesting that this is another fun stat, 15 and five when Booker shoots above 40% from the field, not even 50, not anything crazy like that. When he shoots above 40% from the field, the team is still very good because they have a lot of other guys that are capable of bolstering and they have a defense that's capable of stepping up when their offense isn't good. So I think that Booker is going to soak up a lot of touches. I'm not sure if he's even going to be back, but if he is back, he'll take a lot of shots, as he should, and Phoenix is going to surround him with capable talent, as they usually do. Now, the team is 10-8 and when Chris Paul plays, probably a little bit hyper-focused on these last few games without Booker, but 10-8 and is kind of interesting. The team is 10 and 5 when Aiton has 10 plus rebounds. Now, he doesn't have 10 plus rebounds in, in the other games, but 10 and 5 is a pretty standard number. It means that he's being physical, it means that he's involving himself in the, the dirty part of the game. If Jokic is capable of putting up 27 rebounds against Charlotte, I wonder if he is capable of bullying DeAndre Ayton a little bit, putting him into a a really tough spot where Ayton has to spend a whole bunch of energy boxing out and maybe is a little bit less precise on the offensive end as a result. Now, that can go the other way where if Jokic is trying to grab 20 rebounds, then he's probably going to be short to close out on the floater zone where DeAndre Ayton really excels with his jump hooks. So it's a double-edged sword there but one that I think the Nuggets are going to have to be ready for on Christmas because I think that they're probably going to get Chris Paul, they're probably going to get Devin Booker, and they're probably going to get DeAndre Ayton. That would be my expectation. Injury report right now for Phoenix. Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, they're not going to play, pretty much guaranteed. Devin Booker has been out. He was ruled out for Friday, December 23rd versus Memphis. But I got to imagine that he tries to play on the Christmas game. That seems to me like one that he wouldn't miss if if there was a possibility. We don't know. We'll know a little bit more on Saturday when that injury report comes out. But I got to imagine that he tries to play for that. Campaign was out on Friday. Whether he's playing on Sunday or not remains to be seen. Chris Paul was not on the injury report, despite the fact that kind of looked like he hurt his shoulder pretty late last game against the Washington Wizards in a loss, but not on the injury report, so clearly not something that is going to prevent him from playing, I don't think. Now, a couple of interesting numbers here for the Suns as a whole. They are 6-10 when they tie or lose the rebounding battle. They are 13-3 when they win it outright. So they've lost it or tied it 16 times. They've won it 16 times, pretty even. And they play a physical front line off the bench. Bismack Biombo, Jock Landale, their Australian big man, Ish Wainwright, kind of a, a crash bandicoot type player, a bigger Tory Craig, if you will, uh, Josh Okogi. And there are others that play for that group that are they're willing to get rough. They're willing to play physical. And Denver may have to go big as a result. Playing Bones, playing Zeke Naji, 
playing Bruce Brown in a smaller lineup as opposed to, or, or maybe even playing Christian Brown in a smaller lineup, those things may not be good in a game like this where it's probably going to get pretty ugly with that unit. So it wouldn't surprise me if Denver has some changes. Maybe they play DeAndre Jordan in that game. That actually wouldn't surprise me. Just tell him, hey, you've got to be physical. This team is going to be physical back to you. Try to out-tough them. The Suns are 10-2 and two when they make at least 15 threes. They are 14-5 and five when they attempt at least 20 free throws. Those are pretty standard for a lot of teams. When they make a lot of threes and get to the line, they're usually doing pretty well. But here's a number that I think is pretty definitive. The Suns are 4-8 and eight when they have at least 14 turnovers. 14 is not that high of a number. It's like it's actually pretty average in terms of the NBA today. I'm not sure what the actual average is, but if I had to guess, it's in between 13 and 14. So you have an above average number of turnovers and your win percentage plummets. That's because the Suns value every single possession. They don't get up a ton of threes. They don't get up a ton of offensive rebounds, or at least not normally uh, with their starter group. And so they have to value every possession like it is life or death. And if you turn the ball over, then Denver's going to win the possession battle that way. Denver's got to turn them over. They've got to play physical defense. They've got to play intense defense locked in. This one, kind of expect this one to be a little bit more ugly, a little bit lower of a shooting total. And here's where that should be exciting for Nuggets fans. When the Nuggets are allowing 115 points or fewer, they are 13-2. and two. Let me repeat that. The Nuggets are 13-2 and two when they allow 115 points or fewer. That means that if they score 116 or more, teams are currently 6-9. and nine, Or the Nuggets are currently 6-9 and nine against other teams. That's crazy. That is a crazy disparity. And it shows to me that as long as Denver kind of gets a little bit of success, not just efforts, not just intensity, not just focus, but you have defensive success to the point where you can limit some things that the opposing team is trying to do, you're going to win, or at least you're going to put yourself into a great position to do so. So that's exciting to me. It tells me that when Denver locks in a little bit, they're very, very capable. The offense, we knew how good it was going to be. It's currently second in the NBA behind Boston. I think it will be first in the NBA when it's all said and done. And as Denver continues to work, as they continue to find that the defense is more important than maybe they realized initially, if they continue to lock into that, that record of 13-2 and two, when they allow 115 or fewer, that is going to go up. It just is. It doesn't take that much. It just takes stretches here or there where the team is locked in and focused. Sometimes teams are going to make shots over you. I think Denver has been dissuaded by that a few too many times. Denver's got to fight through those moments find defensive stops, get a kill here or there, three stops in a row. And then once you do that, you're putting yourself into a great position to make a big, big run. So 
We will see what they can do against both of these teams. I think the Portland game will be high scoring. I think the Phoenix game will be low scoring. Denver has a chance to go 2-0. and And if they do, they'll be 21-11 and at Christmas. That is a great thing. If they lose both of the games, they'll be 19-13, and which is Phoenix's current record. Puts them back into the pack where they have to face off against a lot of these other West teams that are continuing to jar for supremacy. Vie for supremacy, excuse me. I think Denver's capable of winning these next two, but it's going to be a challenge. Both of those teams are going to be hungry, and Denver's going to have to respond. Hopefully with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back, they can do that. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, I'll be back tomorrow night after the Portland game. Should be a lot of fun. Going to be a late night for me once again. But hopefully that's a, a fun-filled affair where it's a little bit of a reunion kind of feel and the Nuggets can celebrate on the court. That would be great. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.